the reminder to get myself in the right place mentally. I am blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. Hope you recognize that you are as well. Hope February has started out good. Hope January was fantastic for you and your family. Always wide open at Jmart Zone for a faith-based conversation via Twitter. So there was a book that came out in 1992, but the messaging also came out in 92. And it was James Carville, who you may know, you may even know Bill Hader for playing him on Saturday Night Live, but he was a Democratic strategist, and he was all over television for a long time. One of the most amazing things in the world is that he's married to Mary Madeline, who is exactly what he was for the Democrats on the Republican side. But this is not a political discussion. He had a phrase. It's probably still the most famous thing he's ever said. It's usually misquoted. It's usually quoted as, it's the economy, stupid. And basically, he helped Clinton in 92 beat H.W. And he was telling the campaign workers, he was telling the people that were affiliated with Clinton's campaign, there are three messages that you need to focus on. And one of them was simply the economy, stupid, meaning people care about their money. They care about what you do with their money. A lot of people say it's it's the economy, stupid. It's not. The phrase is actually the economy, stupid. So why in the world am I talking about James Carville to open up the Big Six the day after the Super Bowl? Very simply, it's Mahomes, stupid. This is what I said on Friday. This is what I said yesterday morning on my Fox Sports Radio show when I predicted that the Chiefs were going to win this game 34-20. to 20. I was close. But it comes down real simply here. I'm not going to sit here and take a bow about this because it's Mahomes, stupid. It's not hard. Like, you know the economy matters in every single election. Every candidate that's there in Iowa right now caucusing for the Democrats, certainly President Trump and anybody that might want to challenge him from any side, knows that the economy is a message that you have to go to. It's logical. It's basic. It's easy. And it's required. It's Mahomes, stupid, is my way of saying, of course. And this is why I picked the Kansas City Chiefs to win in the preseason, and it's why I picked them to win this game, despite the fact that when I looked at it, and I broke this down much more yesterday because I had a longer show. I had three hours in which to do it. I said the 49ers are better 1-53 to than the Kansas City Chiefs are. But there's a big difference maker here. And it's Patrick Mahomes. On Friday, on the Big Six, I spent much time saying the NFL needs Patrick Mahomes to win this game and to play well doing so, so that it can officially become his league. Yes, Lamar Jackson's a unanimous MVP, as he should have been. But Patrick Mahomes is the best player in football. And he plays the most prominent position in all of American team sports. I'm starting to think this way as it relates to life. And I think this could be instructive. The goal in your life should be to make decisions and operate in a way where your margin for error can grow exponentially where you can make mistakes. You can make a few mistakes, but they're not catastrophic. You can afford them because of the things you've done 
in the past in a positive sense. You can manage your money properly, right? The economy's stupid. You can manage it properly for 25 years. You can do charitable giving. You can tithe. You can spend, but carefully. You can take a vacation every couple of years. Go to a few pro sporting events if you live nearby. Make good decisions. Sit down. Have budget discussions. And then, certainly emergencies can happen, but then you can just kind of lose it and go through a midlife crisis. But if you have managed your money well for long enough, you can afford to make the dumb decision on the convertible when you're 40 because you've put yourself in a position to do so. Patrick Mahomes creates an exponentially large margin for error. And that is why the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And that is why they're probably going to be here for a while. Let me explain. For over three quarters of this game, Patrick Mahomes did not play well. At all. To the extent that we all started trying to come up with our narratives in the media as to what we were going to say to explain this. The thing that kept popping into my head was, from now on, I'm going to pick the least flashy team, and that's the team that's going to win. Because here's the shiny Chiefs, and they're getting beaten by the boring 49ers. But the reason I picked the Chiefs is why I kept watching the game. I sat there, and I was riveted for four quarters, despite the fact that three quarters of that football game were not particularly good football on either side. But you can't turn off the Kansas City Chiefs, can you? Because they're not going to turn off. Because they have the ultimate cheat code as their quarterback. Now, what do I mean about the margin for error growing exponentially? They were able to play subpar for three quarters plus in that football game. And then rattle off every point that they needed to win this thing by double digits. A couple of crazy stats, okay? First team in Super Bowl history to score 21 points on offense in the fourth quarter, and they did it in half of the fourth quarter. With seven minutes and 13 seconds left in this game, they were down 20 to 10. They had a 3.9% chance to win the game. Within 12 plays, 3.9 became 77.7%. And as bad or as average or as subpar, especially related to what you expect to see from him as Patrick Mahomes was in the first three quarters, he was good enough to overcome mediocrity of his own and even mediocrity around him. The margin for error permitted him to play pretty bad for three quarters because he's so great that he can erase it in no time flat with what we saw in the last seven minutes of that game. And it's not just this game. Mahomes did it all the way through the postseason against the Texans, whose margin for error is much smaller because of Bill O'Brien. They couldn't have had a bigger lead. Well, I mean, they could have, but... Generally speaking, they couldn't have had anything go better for them than it did, and they got blown out. Not beaten at the end, blown out by the Chiefs. 
The Titans had a lead. It didn't matter. Patrick Mahomes ran for that touchdown by the end of the first half, and you knew that was probably going to be it. This time, it was against the vaunted 49ers defense. And Mahomes looked off most of the game. All the errors that they had made, all the mistakes that they had made, it didn't matter because Patrick Mahomes still realized what I said on Friday. I said, if this game is close or if Kansas City is trailing in the fourth quarter and Patrick Mahomes realizes he has to take his game to another level in order to win, I trust that's what he can do. Margin for error grows exponentially with Patrick Mahomes. What else does it mean? It means you don't have to be the most talented 1-53. to It means that the quarterback is still, by far, the most important position on the field. With all due respect to everybody else, the quarterback is what means the most. Especially if everything else is equal, it definitely does. The difference in this football game was one team had Patrick Mahomes on their roster and the other one did not. It's the reason the Chiefs made the Super Bowl this year. It's the reason they should have made it last year had it not been for a bad overtime rule. It's the reason they're going to make it a lot more, we would think. And it's the reason that you cannot pay too much for that guy. If he wants $45 million a year, you find a way to do it. Because he makes it possible for you not to have to be perfect everywhere else. He bucks every trend. Andy Reid, all of the knocks on him, which were phony and ridiculous, wiped out because Patrick Mahomes... Got him over the hump. Chiefs futility hadn't been there in five decades. All this history and all this stuff is way overplayed to create content or just to be interesting. But it doesn't generally mean anything because these rosters turn over and a lot of the players that have experienced a lot of this heartbreak weren't there. Patrick Mahomes wiped out five decades worth in two years. As a starter, he's won a Super Bowl MVP, a regular season MVP, a Super Bowl, and became within an overtime of beating Tom Brady last year and going and probably beating the Rams in that Super Bowl. When you don't have to be perfect everywhere else because you're so good in the the core of the earth where you have to be good, that should tell you all you need to know. You think about the quarterback play on both sides. When we come back out of the break, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this. But but I want you to think about this. I want you to think about it as it relates to the Tennessee Titans and your own quarterback situation. Or if you're not a Titans fan, whoever you are a fan of, what is the margin for error based on the most important position on the field? The offensive line doesn't have to be quite as good when you have Patrick Mahomes. The defense can afford to give up. 35 points in games, and he can still win the game. And there's also a mentality that comes with having that guy on your roster or the equivalent of that guy on your roster. What was it that you used to say about the Golden State Warriors? No lead is safe against them because of how they score. 
and it was led by Steph Curry because he was so different and so unique in the way that he approached everything. Patrick Mahomes and Steph Curry have a lot in common, including coming from a real sports background in the family. Steph's father playing in the NBA, and we all know what Patrick Mahomes, the first, did in sports. These guys had it from a young age, and they just kept building on it, and now they both find themselves in a special rarefied air. Curry was in a real rarefied air when he had all the weapons around him, and as they've dissipated a little bit and he's gotten banged up and not been able to play, you see what's happened to the Warriors. Alex Smith had the highest passer rating in the league two years ago, and they still let him go because they knew what they had in Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is the cheat code. He is the streak breaker. He is the trend breaker. He is the heartbreaker if you're a San Francisco fan because you had a 96.1% chance to win that Super Bowl with seven minutes left. 12 plays later, 96 had become 23 because of 15. We'll be right back. It's a big six on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Welcome back to the big six. One day after the big game, little vampire weekend for you. Coming back, we're brought to you by Renner's Warehouse. They're dedicated to making renting your home easy, fast, and worry-free. Renner's Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. My name is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. So I quoted James Carville in the first segment. That might not be what you were expecting. But the economy, stupid, is something that I often think about when something is very obvious. The economy, stupid, for campaign workers in 92 when he was a chief strategist for Bill Clinton. And he wanted them to know the economy, stupid. Meaning, focus on this. There's only a few messages that are going to resonate with the American people that are going to get us into the White House. One of them is their money matters to us, and we're going to help them. And it worked. And I changed it up, and I said, it's Mahomes, stupid, because that was the answer. That's why I picked the Chiefs in the preseason. It's why I picked the Chiefs on Friday. It's why almost anybody that picked the Chiefs picked the Chiefs. The difference in the Super Bowl was one team had Patrick Mahomes and the other one didn't. And that's as much mental as it is on-field obvious. And here's what I mean by that. Do you think for a second that if Kyle Shanahan had Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback and not Jimmy Garoppolo, that he would not have called that timeout? He He didn't call the timeout. John Lynch is sitting there in the owner's box begging him to call the timeout near the end of the first half when there's, I think, 147 left. And he doesn't do it. Why wouldn't you do it there? That's plenty of time. And Kyle Shanahan is a brilliant offensive mind. This much we know. And this is the Chiefs defense we're talking about. You've got plenty of time, and you can go two for one. That's the old Patriots special. They can score. They're going to get the ball to open the second half anyway because of the coin toss. So you could potentially put up 
a couple touchdowns, either put this thing out of reach or put yourself in real good shape before Patrick Mahomes even has a chance to touch the football. Instead, you don't call the timeout. The Chiefs let the clock drown before punting it with about a minute left, and then you have less than a minute with which to work with. And I'm sitting here, I'm wondering why, and there's only one reason, and it's that if you're Kyle Shanahan, you fear putting any kind of idea into Jimmy Garoppolo's head that he needs to go make a giant play right now. Sometimes guys try to do too much and aren't capable of it. Uh, see in the dictionary a picture of Jarrett Garantano in the Alabama game for an example of that. When you don't call that timeout in that situation, when everybody assumed that was what was going to happen and then you realize it's not happening, that tells you Kyle Shanahan doesn't fully trust his quarterback or not. And by fully, I mean, I don't think that you don't trust him at all because Garoppolo played pretty well in this game for the most part. Matter of fact, he played better than I thought he was going to play. But right there was a lack of trust. That was saying, I don't want him to make a big mistake here that goes for six points the other way. And then, of course, he threw the pass to Kittle that got called back on the P.I. after hitting, I think it was Sanders, to kind of set it up. And then Shanahan realized, oh, well, maybe we can score here. He was uber conservative, and that's because he did not have a Patrick Mahomes that he felt like was going to get him to pay dirt. He thought Garoppolo might try to do too much. Garoppolo had done a couple. His bad throws yesterday was him trying to do too much especially the first interception. But there you go. Think about the conservatism that you saw at the end of that first half from Kyle Shanahan. And then think about the fact that on the flip side, Andy Reid looked at the numbers and went for it twice on fourth down, one that would lead to the first touchdown of the game for the Chiefs with Mahomes getting in. And got both of them. Your margin for error, like I said in the first segment, grows exponentially when you have that level of greatness at that position in this league. If you go for it and you don't get it, so be it. It made sense to go for it because you have Patrick Mahomes. At the end of the first half, when you almost have two minutes left and you don't call a timeout, that is you thinking we can't afford a mistake here, and I don't think this guy's going to get us to the end zone. That is, well, it ain't good. And it tells you again how important a quarterback position is in the NFL. Mahomes gave Andy Reid a comfortable pillow with which to lay his head on when he was making decisions. And the irony of all ironies, Andy Reid, who's been dog for clock management and timeout and situational football issues, they've been overblown, but that's that's always been the knock on Andy Reid. Who was it that made those blunders in this game? 
you can argue that Shanahan could have shortened this game a lot by running it more in the fourth quarter than he did. But the most egregious error was not calling that timeout. That's something that the, I guess, popular philosophy would tell you would be Andy Reid that would have done that, not Kyle Shanahan. And the reason Andy Reid didn't do that is because, again, he's comfortable because he's got a Lamborghini in his garage. And even though Garoppolo can play, what about Jimmy Garoppolo is special? That's what I said on Friday. That was my whole argument. I felt like we could go through the list, and I actually did it on on Fox yesterday. You may have heard it if you were up early enough. I went through the entire league and went through all the starting quarterbacks, and I said, this guy or Jimmy Garoppolo? And could this guy have the 49ers in the Super Bowl? And I had people tweeting me saying, he's 21-5. and There is no more overrated stat this side of defensive yards allowed than quarterback wins. Because, folks, let me clue you in on a little something here. In tennis, wins matter for an individual. Okay? Because there is no one else. If Roger Federer beats Rafa Nadal, that win matters an awful lot. The more players that you have on the field, the more chances that it's not going to matter how well you play or don't don't play. Because of all sorts of things surrounding you. Like, yeah, you can make a coach choice. But ultimately, Tiger Woods and his caddy were basically it. And you can talk about Hank Haney or swing coaches or anybody else. But on a football field, quarterback wins. Yeah, okay, that means that the quarterback isn't losing the game. But doesn't mean that he's winning the game. It can, but it can also be wildly overvalued. When you look at Garoppolo's numbers, I think it was 27 touchdowns and 13 interceptions for the season. That ain't bad, but ain't bad is a far cry from the best player in the world on the opposite side for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I told you I believed that if Mahomes needed to take it to another gear, he could. And if you needed Jimmy Garoppolo to throw you a Super Bowl, meaning pass you to a Super Bowl. I wasn't sure he could do it. And you had two long throws that vindicated my point, at least, which was Mahomes on third down and 15 with 7-13 in the game, down 10, 44-yard bomb to Tyreek Hill. And then the throw that we'd have never forgotten because it was the right throw and the right decision for Garoppolo to try to find Emmanuel Sanders down the field on what probably is a touchdown if he makes this catch. He overthrows him by about three and a half yards. That, folks, is the difference. The margin for error here was three and a half yards. But who did you trust going in to make that throw? And who would you say... Yeah, I'd probably like this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy before I got to Jimmy Garoppolo. When they needed him most, Mahomes made the plays. When they needed Garoppolo, when he had to throw, it didn't go so well. He was 18 for 22, 188 yards, 117.4 passer rating when the Chiefs didn't pressure him. When they pressured him, 2 of 9, 
31 yards, two interceptions, a passer rating of 1.9. And in the fourth quarter, when Mahomes decided he was going to take over, three for 11, 36 yards, an interception, and a sack on fourth down. That's Jimmy G. And I told you that having a Patrick Mahomes changes the mentality as much as what we're seeing on the field. And we looked at Shanahan not going for it or not calling that timeout at the end of the first half and the aggressive nature of what we started to see from the Chiefs in the fourth quarter because they trusted their quarterback. Also, when you get down 20 to 10 with seven minutes left, there are a lot of opportunities for players to think, okay, well, this one's over. Against that defense, this one's over. But not the Chiefs. The Chiefs knew, their defense knew, if we can just get some stops and get it back to this guy, he can go win us this thing. So they did their part. They got stops. They pressured Jimmy G. They said, you beat us, and he couldn't. And every time Patrick Mahomes got the football, they scored. They had one touchdown to the Chiefs on their first six drives of this game. Then they scored 21 on offense in the final stanza. First team ever to do that in a Super Bowl, and they did it in seven minutes. That, folks, is what we talked about all last week on this show when we talked about the late, great Kobe Bean Bryant and Patrick Mahomes. Greatness. I don't have to sit here and lay out every throw that Patrick Mahomes made or every decision that he made, the bad stuff early or the good stuff late. I don't have to do that. And you didn't have to have Troy Aikman explain to you why what you were seeing was special in the fourth quarter. All you needed was functioning eyes and greatness leapt off the screen and hit you right square in the heart. And the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions because of it. 615-737-1045. What does one game mean to a legacy? A lot. It's a big six on 104.5 The Zone. So. Welcome back, Big Six, 104.5 The Zone, Little Wilco for you. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter, at jmartzone. Reach us at 615-737-1045. I want to read this from Bill Barnwell, who, man, did he write a great piece following the Super Bowl, just kind of laying out the reasons why what we saw went down. I already gave you the main reason. It's Mahomes, stupid. If you missed the reasoning for that and you think I'm calling you stupid, I'm not. Subscribe to The Big Six with Jason Martin via your podcast catcher of choice. You can go back and hear the beginning of the show if you just hopped in a car or if you missed it for whatever reason. We'll give you a mea culpa. We'll give you a mulligan. Won't even charge you an extra shot. But this from Bill Barnwell. Reed has also consistently been ahead of the schematic curve among NFL coaches. He took heat for throwing the ball around 60% of the time when he took over as Eagles coach in 1999. Now, the NFL as a whole throws the ball about 60% of the time. When Reed went to Kansas City, he hired Brad Childress to focus on spread concepts and brought in pistol creator Chris Alt as an advisor. The Chiefs used those ideas with Mahomes, 
and have imported option concepts to take advantage of his athleticism. Reed has always been a genius. He won a Super Bowl ring as a positional coach with the Packers, but now he can add a ring earned as a head coach to his collection. It's unfair to compare him to Bill Belichick, who might be the greatest coach who ever lived, but Reed is the second best coach of his generation. At 61, he finally authored a Super Bowl title run to put the final doubters to rest, and he did it by outcoaching a guy who is quickly getting the reputation of coming up just short, the same reputation Reed just shed with his win. What does one game mean to a legacy? When you think of Andy Reed, what do you think about? Before yesterday, you think about bogus clock management arguments, timeouts, bad challenges, things like that, because they were always so, there was a spotlight placed on every one of them. If you listen and talk to football people, they'll say he is one of the greatest coaches to ever live and without question, one of the greatest offensive minds who ever lived. And one of the big reasons for that, folks, and this is actually, I think, important too. And I hope that this is something that I grow to be more and more of as the days pass. And that is, I want to be pliable. P-L-I-A-B-L-E. I want to be pliable. I want to have my integrity and I want to have my opinions But I also want to be flexible enough to understand that I don't know everything. And with new information, you could prove me wrong and you could help me in the future to be smarter. Pliable, flexible to a degree, not so stubborn, not just a block of wood, meaning between my ears or anywhere else. Andy Reid is pliable. He listens, he learns, he adapts. He's an analytics guy. How about the pirouette from all four of the players that led to that touchdown? That was a concept that Eric Bieniemy found in a tape watching the 1948 Rose Bowl, and they chose to use it in the 2020 Super Bowl to beat a much younger, and you would think forward-thinking head coach. But Andy Reid is super forward-thinking and always has been. But you didn't think of him the same way. You thought of him as the lovable loser. Because he would come up short. This is a guy who, the lovable loser, is seventh in regular season wins ever. 207. Among coaches with at least 100 games under their belt, he's 19th all-time in winning percentage. Only three coaches have gone to the playoffs more often. Only three coaches who have done this for 10 or more years have taken teams to the playoffs more frequently than Andy Reid. He already had the resume, but what does one game mean to a legacy? Yesterday, last night, the Kansas City Chiefs, coached by Andy Reid, won the Super Bowl over the 49ers 31-20, and now Andy Reid is a Super Bowl-winning head coach, and he's going straight to Canton. He already would have, but now there's no doubt and no argument to make. Here's the difference. Think of your favorite actor, okay, or your favorite actress. You're at the theater early enough to see the trailers. Now think of just another actor out there, whoever it might be. You're watching the trailers and you see this person's in a movie that looks, okay, it's pretty decent. And this guy, you know what, 
this guy, this gal, pretty solid, young, up and coming, or has been around for a long time. Not bad. Usually movie's pretty good. That person's in it. But there is a section of that trailer where if that person has won certain accolades, it gets put in and it makes you pay attention even if you don't want to otherwise. Think about that same actor that you love before he wins an Academy Award or she wins a Golden Globe. Then all of a sudden in the middle of that trailer, you see Academy Award winner Jeremy Irons. Academy Award winner Amy Adams. Boom. Legacy. Boom. Importance. Boom. Gravity. Boom. Weight. Boom. Made man. So I read all that great stuff about Andy Reid. And now, in the middle of the Andy Reid movie trailer, there is Super Bowl champion. Boom. Wait. Now his legacy is complete. Even though it already was in many ways, one game changed everything. For those that wanted to be skeptics or wanted to be cynics or just wanted to be negative. All the good that he had done, the coaching tree, and all the folks that have gotten jobs thanks to him. One thing I read in the Barnwell piece is he should also get a piece of the Super Bowl from the Eagles a few years ago because he convinced Nick Foles not to retire when Foles got down on himself and thought he couldn't play anymore. Encouraged him. Thought Doug Peterson might be good for him. Doug Peterson from the Andy Reid tree. Andy Reid is all-time great. And now that he has Super Bowl next to his name, for some reason we think he's better than that. But he's not. But thank goodness he does have it so that we can move on from this bad narrative. And hopefully we're not just going to attach this to Kyle Shanahan because he's blown two leads in a Super Bowl, once as a coordinator and once last night as a head coach. If there's one thing that you should take as a Tennessee Titans fan or a 49ers fan, it is this. Ain't no shame. I'll explain next. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Down. Little Wild Feathers to finish this up. Ball calls coming up next. This is the Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. We're brought to you by Renner's Warehouse. Dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estate. Renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. Renters Warehouse, they are the rent estate company. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can find me there. Andy Reid off the schneid. Patrick Mahomes, youngest player to win an MVP and a Super Bowl MVP. In his first two years, he's done it. He's only 24 years old. Get used to it. We could be looking at one of those situations where There's a lot of great players that are going to end their careers without having won the ultimate prize because they happen to play in the Mahomes era. Talk to Carl Malone or Charles Barkley or Patrick Ewing or Reggie Miller or a number of folks about what it was like to play in the Michael Jordan era. But those guys are all Hall of Famers, and we all appreciate them. And What I said before the break was, Ain't no shame. 
there ain't no shame in losing to this dude. That's how I felt after the Titans lost to the Chiefs in the AFC title game. I picked the Chiefs because of this dude. I picked them in the Super Bowl because of this dude. I picked them preseason this year because of this dude. And there ain't no shame in getting beaten by somebody that's better than you. I mentioned Barkley. Barkley also talked about how he thought he was the best player in the world. Nobody could stop him. Nobody could touch him. And then he lost to Jordan. And he said he went home and he was dejected because he realized that even at his best, that guy's better than me. And that's just the way it is right now in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes is better than you. He's better at what he does in the game. And what he does is so much more important to success than virtually anything else in that sport. They had him, so it didn't matter they were down 1,000 points to the Texans. didn't matter that it was going real wrong against Tennessee for a time because they still had Mahomes, which meant there was a certain level of insurance. It's very interesting to me. I, you know, I didn't think about this until just now, but it's interesting to me that Patrick Mahomes does insurance ads because he is insurance. You have him. You can afford the little fender bender. You can afford the collision. He's still going to find a way. Your premiums aren't even going to go up, although they are going to go up when it's time to pay Patrick Mahomes. But in life, think in terms of let me make decisions and let me act in a way where I can afford a few mistakes because we're all going to make them. But don't put yourself in a situation where any mistake can doom you, even an emergency. Think about your money. We talked a bit about that during this program. Don't spend yourself into a situation where one bad month can put you under. Patrick Mahomes allows a lot more than one bad month. There were more bad quarters during the postseason, potentially, than there were good for the Chiefs, and it didn't even matter. Mahomes went down, and they lost with Matt Moore at quarterback, and he came back, and they went on an absolute tear outside of losing here in his comeback game at Nissan Stadium to a really good Titans team. The margin for error was there. They could afford it because of what he had done for them already. They could afford a few losses. They could afford not to be the number one seed in the conference. Because Patrick Mahomes was a quarterback. You don't need, and this is why it's almost unfair, is because you do have all of these weapons around him. But you don't need all of those weapons. I still think he could find a way. I'm not saying he could go anywhere. But I'm saying that as long as you give him, you only have to give him half the tools you have to give Jimmy Garoppolo to get the same result. Your margin for error is greater. And I think ultimately that's what we all want. We want the chance to screw up and it not wreck our lives. The Chiefs, in a football sense, kind of screwed up. 
for much of the Super Bowl. Yet they're the ones staring at the Lombardi Trophy today, not on a television screen with the 49ers holding it, but in their own building because of the greatness of Patrick Mahomes and the greatness of Andy Reid and the greatness of Eric Bieniemy. There was greatness to be found elsewhere. The defense played well. Chris Jones had one whale of a game. Breland had a really good game. The defense held up. But I feel like there is a comfort zone when you have an insurance policy like Patrick Mahomes. Let's just keep him in the vicinity. He can go win this thing. And when they had to, that's exactly what 15 did. Will the 49ers get back? You know what? The Rams looked like they were coming back, and they didn't. And I think Garoppolo is basically a high-end Jared Goff. I think Shanahan's great. I think McVay is great. It's real hard to get back to a Super Bowl. They are a young team. A lot of their pieces are going to be coming back. That helps them out. But here's one thing that should frighten you to death if you're in the AFC or just in the NFL as a whole. Next season for Kansas City, 10 of the top 11 players in snaps played this season, back. This is the team in high school that wins a state championship with sophomores. And all those dudes are coming back. Good luck. Now, just to tell you here on the way out, we got ball calls coming up. I want to talk about the outsider. Maybe we'll do that at some point. I do have my new article up at the Big Six blog at 1045zone.com slash Big Six blog. Uh, it should have published last night right as the show ended. So if you are checking that out tonight on DVR since you were watching the big game, go ahead and read my review after that. Now, this is what you need to DVR. Starts tonight. I've been watching it. Probably going to write on it. Fantastic. Story of the McDonald's Monopoly Fraud. A six-part documentary series on HBO. Mark Wahlberg, Steven Levinson are the executive producers. This thing is fascinating. If you don't know the story, that's enough reason to watch. But there are some characters, including an FBI undercover agent whose real name is Doug Matthews. With one T. I'm telling you, McMillions is what it's called. Go ahead and set the DVR and then thank me later. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night from the Music City.